Welcome to The Marissa Morrison Show, where you'll discover your inner power to create the life you desire. I'm Marissa, and I began my business as a 19-year-old, single mom, broke, and in college. Today, I run a seven-figure business that teaches entrepreneurs how they can have it all without the frustration and overwhelm. Abundance, peace, joy, and overflowing love are available to you. And I'm here to show you the way to a richer, more vibrant life that radiates into your business, bringing you higher profits and profound fulfillment. You see, when you connect with the miracle that is you, you become an unstoppable force that doesn't need to push for success. Consider this an invitation to step into a new world of possibilities, empowering perspectives, and radical breakthroughs. Buckle up and get ready to see the world around you in an entirely new light. This is your life, and you don't need to wait to experience your dreams. It all starts now. Hello, and welcome back to the Marissa Morrison Show, where I am empowering you and your life so that you can manifest your wildest dreams. I am so thrilled that you're here. We are going to continue getting to know each other on a deeper level Here on the show, I am sharing intimate stories of my life, and if you've missed the previous chapters, I highly recommend that you go back and listen. There's so many beautiful lessons within these stories that I am sharing, and as I've shared before, we as human beings learn best through stories. It's what we've done throughout history and throughout our schooling and our education. It's what we do with our children, and I am opening my heart to you because I know that it's in my vulnerability that your transformation lies. And so today I am revealing things about myself that when you think of a seven-figure entrepreneur that you may think, you know, I never thought they would have gone through that. Or if you would have met me back then, you definitely may not have said, oh my gosh, she's totally going to be this awesome rock star business owner, mom of three that manages so many different things. You would have never thought that about me. I certainly didn't think that about myself either. I was really not at a place to see this 30,000 foot view of my life. I was 15 years old where we're picking up today. And what I'm going to share is at the heart of why humanity stays stuck. So stay tuned. All right. There is some breakthrough in store for you today. And in my story where I'm picking up at 15 years old, I just want to give a heads up that I am going to talk about things that are possibly triggering. However, it is in your boldness to talk about these things that healing lies. That's why there is AA groups where they come together and they meet and they talk. It's in this community and this oneness of experience that we are able to heal. And so at 15, right before I left the all-girls boarding school, where we concluded last chapter, I left out an important detail with you that I want to share with you now. And it's not really the big part of the lesson of today, but it is going to be continued into another chapter in the future. And so I want to reveal this first part to you as we continue on. So as you know, my body image as a young girl became a part of my value, a part of my worth. And it was in my body image that I felt good enough. And so as I continued to grow into my body, 
I remember even, you know, being 13, lying, saying I was 17, and people would believe me. And so I really, on the outside, looked older, as many girls do, and I wanted to keep up with this figure that I had. But like all girls who are going through hormonal changes of puberty and the cycle of the month, there would be times when I would want to eat different things. And this would cause a unloving thought pattern of myself. And so I would punish myself. And I began to binge and purge. This started at the age of 15, and it would continue on into my 20s. At first, it was very slow, and it wasn't an everyday thing, but it was a secret. It was something that I didn't want anyone to know about. No one knew about it for years. And I was embarrassed. I was also kind of like in denial about it because it was a secret. I didn't have to talk about it. I didn't have to face it. It was just like something that I did and kind of suppressed those emotions about how I actually felt about it. It's just something that I didn't face. And so it continued. And like I said today, when these things come up and they feel triggering or maybe you're dealing with this today, I want you to know right now that I did go to treatment and it was the best decision that I ever made. I have been healed ever since I went. And so if you are facing this today, know that you can overcome it because I never thought I would. And know that healing comes from being honest about it to others because as long as you keep it hidden to yourself, there is no opportunity for healing. And this, again, is not the main lesson of today, and we will continue on in this story when the time in my life comes that I did go to treatment, I will share more with you. But I just want you to know that you are so beautiful, that you are so valuable. And in fact, I got in the best shape of my life after I overcame my eating disorder. So bulimia was a part of my experience, but it was also an experience that helped me discover greater compassion for myself and helped me learn to love all that I am. And from this point, when I got home from the boarding school that year, I went to a country that was vastly different than any other country I'd been to. And I had been to many, many different countries and many different third world countries at that. This particular trip included two weeks across three different countries. We went to Spain, Portugal, and Morocco. And Morocco was the final place that we went It is a country that is at the top portion of Africa. And in this country, I was able to see humanity living a very different lifestyle than what I was accustomed to. However, they were happy and at peace and full of joy. And so this was really one of the first experiences that challenged me to think about what's actually needed to be happy. You know, I was, of course, you know, 15 years old, and I'm thinking that, oh, to be happy, you know, to make a lot of money or to look a certain way or to have nice things, to be able to travel, you know, whatever it was, to have good health. But I'm seeing these people, and they don't need much. They live a much more simple life. And while it is common for our society to look at that and say, oh, I feel so bad for them, I found myself 
almost jealous of them because even though they didn't have as much, they were happy. And that really triggered an immense amount of curiosity, of thought, of pondering life and what it means to be alive, the meaning of life itself. I remember there were, you know, kids sitting on the streets and they were barefoot. And I remember people were making rugs and, you know, selling their beautiful crafts. And I remember seeing in the rooftops, there were leather makers who were stomping with their feet on the leather. And it was just an entirely different way of life. There was no AC, dirt roads. There weren't a lot of cars. People were riding camels and wearing rags for clothing. But yet it was so beautiful. They were the same as me. They were just experiencing life in a different way. And it didn't seem as though they actually wanted for anything. They had food. They had the things that they needed. And I honor that there are some places in our world where people genuinely are starving and need food. This was not one of them. But it was a country that had a lot less than I was accustomed to. And so coming home from this, immediately after my mom sat me down and said, Marissa, I want to tell you my life story. So I'm laying on the couch with her, and I remember it was nighttime, and I had my head in her lap, and she was playing with my hair, just running her fingers through my hair, and she shared her life story. There were many instances that I was shocked that my mother did those things. I was just like, no way. This woman that I saw as perfect, God-fearing, all-loving woman actually did some things that I could never imagine. And it was in this point in my life from seeing Morocco and the people of the country, along with all the other countries I had seen, And then hearing my mom's story, it revealed to me this aspect of life that is ever-evolving, that who we are is not in a moment, but it is the totality of our experiences and the wisdom that we gain from those experiences, how we move forward from those experiences, and it's really all in what we do next. And seeing my mom going through these things, knowing that it's not at all who she was today, I could also start to piece together how it manifested into the woman she was, my loving, gentle, kind mother. And now, even today, I can look back on my own life and, you know, even the stories that I'm telling you, where you likely, if you would have met me, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I can never imagine you, a seven-figure entrepreneur, coaching others, you know, homeschooling three kids, having such responsibility, moving through life with ease. You know, I was sporadic and all over the place and made awful decisions and didn't understand what it meant to have compassion or forgiveness or to even love myself. I was seeking worthiness through everything outside of myself. But it is in all of those experiences and all of those setbacks and traumas that I became the overcomer. And it is through that that I discovered my boldness, my beauty, and my ability to manifest the life of my dreams. And so this is the reason that I am sharing my story. 
because we get caught up in what we've done and we negotiate why we shouldn't go after that big dream that we have. Or we negotiate why we shouldn't charge a certain price on our services or our products because of some belief we've picked up from the past. But whenever we are honest with ourselves of what we've experienced, there is beauty and there is purpose in those experiences. And in that understanding of self, the ever-evolving identity of self, that is, we can also have compassion for others. Because the most beautiful thing that we can do for someone, the most loving thing we can do, is to accept someone right where they are. Because right where they are is right where they are experiencing an opportunity for wisdom, for expansion, for this evolution of their life that is not over yet. It's not done. And when we judge someone in the way that we see them now, we're only seeing a limited element of who they are. We're not seeing everything they've experienced before and everything that they will become. We are taking a sliver of time and placing judgment on them. And we do it to ourselves too. Maybe it's a homeless person that we see on the road and we think something negative about them or you know, we think how they should be doing different things with their life. But who's to say the next year doesn't look radically different? Who's to say that you know their past wasn't something to consider? And so this experience of my own that I'm sharing with you expanded my own ability to have compassion, not only for myself, but especially for others. Because I will tell you, compassion for self is something that I didn't fully understand until my 20s. I did have compassion for myself, yes, but it wasn't something that I understood deeply. So from this moment of compassion, I then began to see other people in a different way. So right before I turned 16, I met a young gentleman who I will leave his name out for now. I want to protect the privacy of those who may not want their names mentioned. And I fell in love, or I thought I did. It was the really the first time that I had a deeper relationship, you know, when I was 12 and 13 and 14. And it was, you know, very surface level, no deep discussions about life or meaning or purpose or, you know, really sharing things about myself that were vulnerable. I didn't have a lot of experiences yet. But when I was 15 and turning 16, I had a lot more to share, a lot more to connect on, a lot more opinions and perspectives. And I began to share and became very close with this guy. But the interesting thing is that my parents, my parents were very strict, as you know. I mean, I literally was always grounded. However, my parents were very loose with their rules when it came to him. So I would go to his home. Of course, he was 18 when I was 16, and he lived with his mom in a trailer, and they had a beautiful life together. His dad was not really in the picture, but he, of course, saw his dad often. And so it was mostly really just his mom and him. And so I would go there. My parents even would let me spend the night there after a few months of dating eventually, and which is, you know, now as an adult, I can't even imagine letting my children spend the night with a boyfriend or a girlfriend at that. 
But this is my story. My parents let me, and so I did. It was not a healthy relationship for a young 15, 16-year-old girl. It was almost like an addiction. And addictions come in many forms. You know, we focus addiction on substance, but anger, fear can be an addiction as well. If that is your automatic response to circumstances, which releases chemicals in the brain, which is very similar to what substances do also, it can form an addiction. It's a pattern. It's something that you go back to again and again. And for me, this relationship, the attention, the feeling of worthiness is something that I went back to again and again to reaffirm my worthiness because I didn't see it for myself. And in this relationship, I found what filled the void within. And so this year, I went to a new school, as you know, because I left the private boarding school. I went to a different private school, a small school, and there were 75 students in my class. And because this was an expensive school and elite school, many of the students there came from families that had money. And these students seemed to have everything. But because I was grounded, I felt like I didn't have enough because my dad, because I was grounded, would ground me by limiting the money that he would spend on me. And so they would have nice jewelry, nice cars. I had a Mazda 6, which was a fantastic car. It's perfect first car. But some of these kids had, you know, Audis and Mercedes and the newest, most hip car on the market which is insane as a parent now for me to think about. But at the time, there was abundance all around me, and yet I felt like there was lack for me because, well, I wasn't good enough, right? And so this just became a story in my own mind that I began to believe because I didn't understand why couldn't I have what they have? You know, and it's so interesting because, you know, coming from Morocco, seeing these people and what they were going through, it's so wild to see how quickly my own thoughts became uh, rose-colored glasses, right? I was starting to not see things so quickly again, correctly. It's like I forgot that I didn't need a lot to be happy. And I reattached to the idea that, well, I do need all this stuff because look, they have it. And so isn't that the truth of life, huh? Especially now with social media, running businesses, seeing what everyone else is doing. It is so relatable in today's culture. But for me, this is what I felt for myself. And in this school, though, there was many beautiful experiences. I started to play in the jazz band. I played the piano. I was in the choir and I sang in the talent show many times. So I continued my passion for music and it was a wonderful opportunity for me to continue to express myself through my music. And it was interesting to see that these kids had house parties where I had a boyfriend. And I remember feeling like, since I'm really the good kid here, right? why don't I have all these nice things? And this just created so much strife between me and my dad. We would argue, and while it was not physical anymore because I was a young woman that was actually pretty strong, 
I blamed my dad for so many things. And there was this cycle of arguing and strife, again, between my parents, between me, and it was very unhealthy. I remember before I came home, I remember telling them, I promise I won't argue anymore. I'll listen, you know, before I came home from the all-girls boarding school. But it was still very much alive. And deep down, I was sad and I was hurt. And I felt, in a way, I felt abandoned, you know. And the thing that is so interesting about this part of my life is that I really had everything I needed. I didn't need anything. I had more than most people. But isn't that what we tell ourselves about our stories? Oh, you shouldn't feel that way. Because you know what? Someone has it so much worse than you. And we take our story and our pain and we make it small. When in fact, it deserves a moment of honoring what we went through. But the truth of the matter is, is that I was experiencing pain. I was experiencing sorrow and deep feelings of neglect. Whether it was real or not, it was my inner experience, my inner reality. And what we experience is all within our mind first. The only way that I was ever going to heal and move forward was to honor the pain and honor my experience. And we have to do that for each other, for all the people in the world, because we are all always doing our best. And even whenever we do things that we, you know, maybe look back on and say, oh gosh, I shouldn't have done that. We're doing it out of a belief that we are holding within ourselves. And I was acting out of this unworthiness, you know, this unforgiveness for my dad. That was at the heart of really everything. And so one year, I'm, you know, I'm still going to church. One year we had a camp that was specific for youth. It was three days and we stayed the night there. And I'll never forget, it was during a worship service and I had my hands raised and I was singing. And I just remember, I don't know what the song was about. I don't know what the teaching was about, but I know that it was something that I wanted to move forward from. I wanted a new experience of life. I wanted to be free of all the pain. And I just, in that moment, decided. It took a split second. That's all it took to forgive my dad. And it was done. And forgiveness is something that we have to do again and again. That's what I learned. It wasn't that in that moment I was totally healed of every emotion. Because when I faced him again and again and again, there were indeed times that I was triggered from the traumas of the past. My brain was still experiencing the pain when he would talk to me a certain way or challenge me a certain way. That old pattern still showed up. And I had to decide again, okay, am I going to go back to this or did I actually forgive him? But in that moment was the first time that I forgave him. It was the first time that I became free. And I'll never forget, I went to my dad and I said, I want you to know that I forgive you for everything in the past. 
He looked at me with so much confusion in his face, and he said, why? For what? And I just, in that moment, was like, can I take back my forgiveness? Can I like say, never mind? Can I just change my mind altogether? It was in that moment that I understood deeply that my forgiveness could not be based on his changing, his acceptance, his awareness of what needs to be forgiven. I cannot forgive with an expectation of how he receives it. My forgiveness is solely for me to be broken free, to be released from the past, the emotion, the pain, to say, I am no longer going to blame you. I am no longer going to hold you captive as to the why behind my trauma. I am going to be bold enough to face my life head on. I am going to be bold enough to release you, but most importantly, to release myself from the illusion, from the judgment as to why I can't forgive you. We all live our lives in an ever-evolving, moving, free-flowing way, and we're always doing our best. I began to consider with my dad, okay, my dad grew up in 1926. 1926, you know, what they believed was you spare the rod, you spoil the child. That meant for me that my dad was doing what he knew to be best for me. That meant that he did love me and he wouldn't spend so much time and energy on me in trying to help me grow and pushing his way if he didn't believe that I was worth fighting for, if he didn't believe that I could grow, that I had a beautiful future, that he believed that his discipline, although harsh, cruel at times, he believed that if he did it, that I would learn. And so while the things that he did I didn't have to say, like, it's right or wrong. He shouldn't have done that. Like, no parent should do that to their child. I could sit with that reality or that narrative all day. But I could also see a narrative that was also beautiful and loving and full of compassion and goodwill and intention if I wanted to. So it was my choice. Which perspective of my dad am I going to hold? And For the first time, I saw him as innocent. For the first time, I was able to say, you know what? I know that you love me. You've never left me. You've never forsaken me. You know, you're still here for me. And I found the beauty in it. Not everyone's fathers are still there for them. You know, as you will learn, my older two, their dad walked away from them. And I have since been helping them with forgiveness. So the circumstances and the way in which we are able to heal the narrative is different for all of us. But for me, this is the way that I reshape the story. I was able to, in some way, even if we have just a glimpse of understanding in a new perspective, we can reshape the story. Even if my dad did neglect me, I could at a minimum see that I learned so much from those experiences, that my eyes were open in a way that they never would have been, that I have grown into the woman that I am 
because of those experiences. And in that, I can have compassion for myself. I can realize that I'm able to forgive him because there was a more beautiful story to see. And what we see is really within our beliefs. What we believe is what we perceive. And it is in our beliefs that we stay stuck. And when I forgave my dad, it was the first step into reclaiming my worthiness because I no longer had to hold on to the narrative that I wasn't good enough for my dad or that I wasn't worthy enough for him. Did it show up again time and time again and slowly get better and better? Of course. It's like riding a bike. It you know, it is easier every time that I come back to the realization, okay, Marissa, we're not going to go back there. Let's remember that there's another narrative that we've chosen. We've forgiven already. And so in this point in my life, shortly after this, I found out I was pregnant. I was 17 years old. And it was at this time that I was emancipated so that I could get married at 17. Yes, I got married at 17, pregnant, and gave birth at 18. And this is where today's story will conclude. And I think the most important thing to learn from this portion of my life and my story is that compassion and forgiveness are the keys to freedom. If we do not forgive ourselves and forgive those around us and show compassion for ourselves and compassion to others, we block our ability to expand and to evolve. Because whenever we hold on to a specific sliver of time, a specific perspective and judgment, we are terming ourselves according to that experience. So if I was a rebellious child that was never good enough, as an adult, you know, I would still believe that I'm not good enough. But because I dealt with it head on and because I faced it boldly, I now can see my wholeness. I don't need anything outside of myself to prove that I'm worthy. I can feel it deep within my being. But I never would have discovered that unless I had compassion for myself, especially whenever I got pregnant. You know, I held so much compassion for myself. And I had many more experiences still ahead of me and setbacks and traumas and things that I couldn't even begin to fathom that I was going to face. I thought I was done facing all the things. I thought I was, you know, moving into this new chapter that was going to be beautiful and sunshine and roses and, you know, this pain is all gone. But oh no, it was only just getting started, as you will soon find out. But there again, I was in an evolution and I still am today. I remember even before today, I remember a time whenever I was, you know, coaching students and I felt like I'm here at this success story of reaching financial success and creative success. And, you know, I'm married and I have three beautiful children. Like the rest of my life is happily ever after. And it wasn't too long after that. I also had a traumatic experience where Devin had a traumatic brain injury and we almost lost him. I will share more about that as we continue in my story, but things in life that we don't expect, that we don't want, they show up. And they're not actually bad things. 
unless we deem them such. They're only experiences. They're only opportunities to walk through, to gain wisdom, to have a deeper understanding of ourselves. It's an opportunity to extend love and compassion to ourselves. It's an opportunity to see the world in a new way. And so this part of my life, I truly hope inspires you to reflect on your own life. Maybe it's your parents or a sibling or an aunt or an uncle or friend from school, a teacher, whoever it was that hurt you. Is there a way that we can reshape the story? Is there a way that you can see their innocence and see how perhaps they were acting out of their own fear? Perhaps they were deep within in a very sad, painful place, which then perhaps we could extend compassion to them and see how what they did wasn't necessarily what they intended. Is there a glimpse of good intent but bad action that we experienced and caused pain? Is there a way that we can release them and release ourselves? Because my love, you don't deserve to remain in bondage with that cord attached. Because as long as we don't forgive, we're in contract with that soul that they wronged us, that we are not free because of them. And we must first forgive in order to be able to be broken free, for the cord to break and fall to the ground and to be no more. To see the light in them is to see the light in us. And so know that as I shared and will continue to share, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't a, I forgive you and it's over kind of thing. It did take a second and there was healing in that moment. It was a decision. It was a firm decision that I made to forgive my dad. But it opened the door to a new journey, to a new experience of learning myself more, learning what the trauma caused within my brain, discovering the pattern, developing self-awareness, and choosing my actions from that moment forward, realizing when it would show up again and reframing it constantly, reminding myself hey, it's okay. I love you so much. I see why you feel this way. Because I had many more arguments with my dad, but I had to be aware and I had to wrap myself up in love and say, I understand. But remember, we don't have to do this anymore. Remember, we forgave him. And as I will share, you know, as my story continues, I got very close with my dad before he passed in 2020. You know, my dad had me at 63 And I never thought I would live to see him at the age of 30, but I was 30 years old whenever he passed, and I was so thankful for the time that we had. I didn't have any regrets about the past or feelings of, you know, I wish I didn't argue with him or anything like that. I think because of the forgiveness and because of my willingness to see him as innocent and to just see him as my father, there was so much healing in that. I became very, very close with my dad. But it wasn't possible unless I chose to forgive because the things oftentimes that we don't forgive are so small, you know, the things we argue about are so small, but it's each day, each argument, it builds upon itself. And before you know it, you've got a year of arguing and so much pain and strife and disagreement that there's so many points of arguing that you don't really even remember 
what the main argument was. Or maybe you do. Maybe it is something so specific. But remember, there is a narrative that you can discover that offers healing, that offers a new perspective. And it is in that that you have the opportunity to release that energy from your body, to release your mind from the beliefs that are holding you back, to see compassion for yourself and for others. This is all for today. And I am so excited to hear the stories from this episode. If you forgive someone, will you please DM me and let me know who? I would love to cheer you on and celebrate this expansion of self and this new chapter that you are about to embark on. Because when you forgive someone, you are opening the door to possibilities. You are going to be able to manifest your dreams in a faster time than you could have ever imagined. So I want to know your stories. Email me, send me a DM, post it on your story, share a post, tag me. I want to be a part of your journey because I believe in you and I love you and I adore you. And I know that there's so much more ahead of you than what's behind you. It's only the beginning, my friend. And I can't wait to see where the journey leads. Here we are again at the conclusion of another episode. I'm sending you a virtual hug, and I want you to know I am so proud of you for staying committed to your dreams. It's all possible, and it begins with you. If you'd like to discover more support, visit marissamorrison.net, where I have created opportunities for you to connect, expand, and to evolve into your greatest potential. Until next time, friend, I'm thinking of you and sending you all my love.